Welcome to Scare My Best Friend to Death. Where we answer the only true horror question. Will my best friend survive this movie? Join our hosts, Crystal, an avid horror enthusiast since she was a small child, and Katie, who has to sleep with a light on after watching anything remotely scary, as they discuss the best horror movies. Crystal can make Katie watch. Hi, I'm Crystal. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Scare My Best Friend to Death, where today we are talking about the 2014 Australian psychological horror movie, The Babadook. Um, This was directed by Jennifer Kent. It's starring Essie Davis, Noah Wiseman, and Tim Purcell as our titular Babadook. It is currently, at the time of recording, streaming on Plex and AMC+. Spoiler warning, if you have not seen this movie, you've had almost 10 years to do so. And it's widely available. So go check it out and then come back uh, to us. Trigger warnings. There's violence. There's animal death. There are intense scenes in this movie. And to top it all off, you also have screaming children. Um, (laughs) So if none of that is your jam, we totally get it. And you are more than welcome to do so. Share us with your friends and your family. On to the show. Katie, had you ever seen this movie before? No, and I will never, ever, ever be the same. (laughs) I knew you had not watched this one. I knew this one was so far away from your comfort house. Like, I've been building you up. I've been giving you some pretty, fairly easy movies to kind of make it through. And I was like, I got to step up, you know, before Christmas. I got to step it up. Yeah, it didn't just go up one step, though. It, like, rocketed into outer space. Well, you know, in the world of horror movies, this is this is a great movie, but there are far scarier ones out there. True. This was more suspense, it seemed like. Yeah, and- this is a this is psychological horror. And I, I'm really happy uh this is the first movie we've covered that has been female directed. Mm-hmm. So you you have a female point of view to go along with our female protagonist. How many times, because I know this had to have happened, how many times did you stop this movie? Uh, probably about five or six. <laughs> Actually, that's a little bit lower than what I was expecting. Yeah, and, um, you know, I almost sent you a picture in order for me to finish the movie. Uh, now, I finished it about 12 o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> the, like the sixth day I was watching it I had on every single light in the house <laughs> all but the blinds were open that's what I, confuses me about you because I you had to not- watch all of this with the lights on but then you go to this paranormal stuff where they're like trying to find ghosts or you know it's real you know real quotation marks real stuff and you're like hell yeah popcorn middle of the night somebody's banging <laughs> at the door no problem strange cat sound even though you don't own any cats you're good at this mm-hmm. fucking lights on yep yep oh. and it's because of all the paranormal shit that i watch 
<laughs> how many days? I think you just answered my next one. Over how many days did it take you to actually watch this? Um, well, part of it was because of our schedule right now at school, but it took about six or I want to say but like five to seven days. <laughs> um, but that's only because I was getting home late and I very quickly realized this is not a movie I can watch in the dark. <laughs> and so no, it's not, it's not with it getting dark earlier. I was watching it on the weekends and I just haven't had a lot of free weekends, but it, it took probably five times as long as any movie we've done so far. This one was definitely a challenge for you. And I'm just proud that you made it all the way through it. Um, we have our uh, center characters here. We have Amelia, who is the mom, who this movie opens in the middle. You can't quite tell what's going on that first like 30 seconds. You're like, mm -hmm. what the fuck is this movie going to be? But it opens with this car crash. And you find out through the movie, um, our other character here is Samuel, her son, but you find out she was in labor um, on that drive to the hospital. Her husband was driving her to the hospital to give birth to Samuel and the husband perished in the, the wreck. And so she has raised Samuel by herself. So this is a single mom and Samuel is a child that really needs some corporal punishment or medication or something. Uh, I have been around children like this and I'm like, nope, my nerves can't handle it. Got to go. I just, mm -hmm. I just can't do it. Um, you, and you feel so sorry for, or well, I don't want to say sorry, but you feel so bad for the parent because a lot of times, you know, they may, have sensory processing issues. They mm -hmm. may be on the spectrum. There may be something going on and people are rude. People are nice. Right. And, and that's kind of what happens a little bit to Amelia in this, this movie. It's like everyone yeah. around her is like, please beat the fuck out of him. Right. <laughs> and, and not taking into account anything that might be um, contributing to his behaviors aside from a lack of discipline and you know one of my first thoughts was when I was watching this movie and it shows them sleeping in the same bed mm -hmm. and she's getting the shit kicked out of her by this kid who is sleeping like a log and she is not getting any sleep mm -mm, absolutely not and um it kind of cracked me up that the whole movie her hair was just kind of out there um, I'm thinking, you know, it's because she's not sleeping because her child is keeping her from sleeping. Yeah, Samuel is definitely a no-limit soldier in this one. Like, no chill, no fucks given, holy terror during the day, and holy terror while he sleeps. And, and not he, to mention he builds dangerous weapons. Right, right. Like, so how, how does he even know how to do this? Because it doesn't <laughs> look like this is going to be a household with a lot of technology right so how does he know <laughs> i guess it's just gifted in that sense but i mean you feel bad for amelia mm -hmm. um, because everybody kind of isolates from her because of samuel and so it it 
hard for her to get help or you know yeah. anybody actually to believe her yeah. and it, you know things are shown in the movie leading up to us meeting the Babadook of just them going through their daily lives and Samuel being a terror and we yeah. have Samuel's birthday party where his cousin climbs up into a treehouse with him and he pushes her off of the treehouse yeah, breaks her nose. Well, and she kind of had that coming, though. Well, she did. She kind of did. It's funny though because the sister-in-law looks at Amelia and goes, "We can't stand being around your child," and then they just leave. It's you know, if you've got someone in your life that's close like that and you don't want to be around their children, you know, that's fine. But try to find a decent way of being like, "Hey, can we do a child-free weekend?" Right. <laughs> or child-free lunch, or you know or you know supporting things not just be like your child's a holy terror which exactly this leads me into my next question katie at what point would you have left samuel in a basket at the fire station when he took the crossbow to school at the beginning of the movie (laughs) samuel's ass is already going to boarding school (laughs) yep i mean you know because he was the equivalent of getting expelled yeah. from the school he was in it took me till the end of the movie to realize he had like this whole thing only happens over a couple of days yeah this whole movie this movie makes you think that it's happened like over a year or months right. and it's just maybe a week if yeah. that long it's maybe not even the, not even that long their version of defects shows up after only two days of missed school Right, yeah. That's like, what, halfway through the movie? Yeah, just about. That's right about the halfway point. Because what happens with the Babadook is that Amelia tells Samuel to get a book for bedtime. And he pulls up this red velvet bound book from from his bookshelf. And so Amelia doesn't remember where this book came from or anything like that. And so she reads him this book and it's kind of quite scary. And the visuals in the book are kind of quite scary mm-hmm. as she continues on. And it's like a, you know, pop-up book at, at parts. It's one of those interactive books where you move a tab at, at part. Um, but it's telling you the whole story of the Babadook or, or mm-hmm. Mr. Babadook as the book is called. Yeah, Samuel- I I'd call him Mr. just to get him, you know, on my good side or on his good side. Yeah. So, so Mr. Babadook, basically what this book entails or what Babadook, the entity entails, and you find out as you read the book is that once you discover the Babadook, you will see the Babadook and Babadook's going to, he, he, he rents too, bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, was it. Uh, but you can never once you let him in, he never leaves. He never leaves. Yep. And um, part of me is like, no, uh-uh, that's called an exorcism, right? And right. Uh, I got too much holy water sitting around my house. I will use. Now, my- how how far into reading that kid's story would you have gotten before you were like? Yeah, no, this ain't it. Uh, like page two. <laughs> Would you, just like Amelia did, go back 
went Samuel's asleep and finished the book. You know, I thought about that. You know, first off, I'm thinking if she doesn't know where the book came from and he doesn't know where the book came from, that should be your first clue to leave it alone. Right. Just take it somewhere the, the fuck else. Right. Right. Put it in the yard sale, take it to a thrift store, something, get rid of it. But then when you open it, it's clearly not a children's book. No, uh-uh. And, and I, I like how the cover's so bright and red and it's kind mm-hmm. of, that's going to draw a child to it anyway. So the right. baby knows what they're doing. Exactly. It's going to draw you in, but then when you open it, it's just black and white. And it's like someone took typewriter font stamped letters uh-huh. and just stamped them enough so that it would kind of be, it would kind of be a sentence. And it rhymed oddly, very similarly to Seuss books. Because I even, I made a note that, you know, the cartoon drawings were creepy as hell. It seemed like when she first saw it, she hesitated and was like, eh, I don't know about this. Right. She should have stuck with her gut. <laughs> she should have. Um, Mom's intuition. And, and I, it had gotten dark right as this part came on the screen. And I was like, oh, no, uh-uh. this is creepy shit. I can't do this after dark. And I'm an adult. How in the world is he going to handle this as a bedtime story? Right. Looking at the first page of that, I would not have chosen that as a bedtime story to read. I'd have been like, I'm sorry, sweetie. Uh, we need to pick another book. <laughs> right, right. This one ain't going to do. But no. knowing how much of a holy terror he is, she probably already knew that no was not going to be, you know, a sentence, which no is a full sentence. But <laughs> it seems like every fit that he pitches, she just gives in and gives him whatever he wants. Exactly. And that's not helping him, you know, become disciplined or learn to share or act just kids out of tree houses. Right. Not be a little fucking a mini sociopath. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when it does get creepy, she just puts it on top of the bookshelf like, oh, you know, this will get rid of it. Right. Let me just put it all the way up here and in the back and slid away into the dark and hopefully, you know. Nothing will come of it. Right. Right. No, that's when you take it outside to the garbage can and you put it at the very bottom and put your trash on top of it. Well, she kind of tried to do that. She did. Yeah. She goes after shit starts happening. So after the Babadook comes in and decides it's going to make its grand appearance over the head of her bed then she decides she's going to rip it up mm-hmm. and put it in the refuge. <laughs> mm-hmm. And burn that shit. It's funny because when she goes back in the house, there it is, like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. This like, book no, is kind of like the herpes of books. Yes, that is when you, you grab your child and you take nothing with you and you just get the hell out of there. Some tells me at that point that book would have followed them anywhere because you know once she sees it again she chunks it into the fireplace into you know a fire but that only just kind of makes things a little worse yeah and then the like the weird stuff that starts happening around the house because of that 
like with the glass shards and it looked like maybe potato soup. Yes. Um, Mm-hmm. and something about that just really made me like, okay, is it trying to make her feel like she's crazy? Cause there was nothing in his, it was only in hers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And and then she had all of the visions of her, uh, you know, killing um, the dog, killing Samuel, and killing herself. And Right. so it started to freak her out. So if you're having nightmares and you're already sleep deprived because your child's on the bed with you beating the fuck out of you as they sleep, you know, Uh-huh. you, Or not you just sleeping think, themselves. right, you, you just think you're going more and more psychotic, basically. Right. And, you know, and then after that happens, she finds the picture of it, it's her and her husband and the husband's face is all scratched out. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. But it, and then, you know, at the end, when you actually see the Babadook, that made perfect sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, when Babadook finally pops up, you get to see his face or its face. I mean, it's Mr. Babadook, so I guess we can say he... You get to see his face. Um, how much did you jump? And how soon after that jump did you just stop the movie? I did jump, <laughs> but you'll be proud of me. I didn't stop it. I am proud. I just proud. I just, I powered through it. Powered through it. But, um, you know, I, I thought looking at this from a psychological standpoint, part of me was like, okay, she's sleep deprived. She's having the nightmares when she can sleep. Even when she tries to make herself relax so she can sleep. She's still getting just um, woken up by the child. But then when she's tossing and turning, you see the clothes and the hat and all like there's a person in the room. So she's, I mean, it's just not going to happen for her. But I almost wonder if, like, at first I was like, okay, is he looking like her husband because she's hallucinating? Or is he doing that to mess with her? in the horror realm he's probably doing it to mess with her but this this whole movie is showing you basically Amelia's grief and she's not made it through the grieving process and Samuel's turning six Yes. so six years in, in which you know everybody grieves in their own pace but six years and you have not been able to finish your grieving process. Right. And I mean, the emotional strain that that would take on her and, you know, having to be a single mother with that child But then you throw in the snotty sister and then you're at the party and you have the snotty sister's snotty friends and they're constantly belittling her and she feels unwelcome. And then you have, you know, the child who needs his ass beat and she just keeps going like nothing is phasing her. And Yeah, then it's, it's like almost she like is... there's just an empty shell.
Right. Like she is completely worn down and has no fight left to give. Then when I saw her at the doctor's office and she's getting, um, I believe she referred to them as a tranquilizer. <laughs> yes. We're yes. going to train our kid. Yes. Let's, let's and then, prank it. And what you would know, it that a scene that would have been even funnier is once she had said tranquilizer, setting it up in his little homemade crossbow and <laughs> 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 shooting him with it. Yes. Um, and, um, and, you know, of course he's going to say he's groggy to the their defects people because, you know, mommy gave him drugs. Right. But, oh my gosh, kid, will you stop? Because <laughs> then it makes her look like she's drugging her kid. She's already crazy. The child's not in school because, you know, he brought a crossbow to school. There's no right. dad in the picture. There's no support system. Found the hole in the wall that wasn't a hole in the wall. And yeah. the bugs creeped me. <laughs> it makes me it it makes me laugh as we, you know, I watch the I watch the movies as we talk about them, but mm -hmm. um when you talking about the dad and stuff, like Samuel's got a point because all dad's things were in the basement. Mm -hmm. he, and he's like, he's my father, and she's almost like bullshit. Fuck <laughs> 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 <Like> your dad. <laughs> And, but um, when he had that crossbow and he's called at school with this little crossbow that he made like it shows them leaving for school like the next day or whatever and he's got a fucking catapult that he's made on his back on the mm -hmm. back of his backpack and, and Amelia has to tell him put that shit back in the house <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's like sorry no you think the crossbow was bad right <sighs> And then the fact that it actually fired darts. That was a little well, terrifying. Yeah. It, I kind of want to know where he got the darts from in the first place. Um, I, I don't remember it showing us where the darts came from. Yeah. I don't know. Probably in the basement with all the other random stuff. <laughs> um, I think that um, there it was like there was just enough going on to make her doubt what she was seeing so she's also like am i going crazy or right is this actually happening what you know what's going on and it felt like everybody else was looking at her like she was going crazy especially when she goes to the police department right and then she sees kind of the clothing like yes. clothing behind behind the the desk and she's like oh, oh, never mind fuck y'all bye because yep. it was not there when she first got there right and it did kind of crack me up though that her hands were still dirty like she had been um when when she burned the book like she went <laughs> right. through to make sure it was still burnt and then went straight to the police department did not <laughs> like, wash her hands all the soot and everything mm -hmm. um, do you think this whole situation would have turned out differently if the father would not have had passed. I think it would have added another character for the Babadook to play off of. Do you think Samuel would have been this much of a holy terror if no. the dad had not passed? No, no, I don't because um, there would have then been two people at home and she would not have been as run down. Well, hopefully, hopefully she would not have been as run down. Um, but I think it would have just given the Babadook more, 
more to play with. Yeah. But um, I do have to say, though, when she first sees him crawling on the ceiling, I did have to stop it at that point. Cause, yeah, that's, um, that's I, pretty much an intense scene. I can't deal with shit crawling on the ceiling. <laughs> and a lot of movies, a lot of horror movies kind of use that trope. Like, let me let me show you this or, you uh, know, let, let's use light and play with light to, you know, project something over the bed. Because really, you think about it when, when we think about the body as a whole and you're you're watching anything everyone generally flinches if something happens to a character's fingers toes or eyeballs it's like the most vulnerable parts that we have but then in, in a psychological horror like this you're laying in your bed you're supposed to be mm -hmm. able to relax and sleep and just you know have a good time <laughs> Yeah, nope, not now. No, not now. Uh-uh. No. Mm. This woman's being fucking terrorized day and yeah. night. Yes. And um part of me was like, okay, you know, the scene I really thought that she was gonna be arrested after the car accident. Mm-hmm. Because with the bugs that were not there, but she was seeing everywhere, and then him coming up over the back of the car. I was like, oh no, uh-uh, I can't, I can't handle this. Um, it really gave me like Jeepers Creepers vibes. And then when she realizes her son saw it too. Right. Okay. I'm not crazy. We're both crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden you get the neighbor coming in and I'm like, okay, she's finally got somebody to offer her help. Right. I mean, you know, the woman may be near death, but she took Samuel for a few hours so that the mom could get some sleep. Yeah, she might, <laughs> she might be 150, but right. she's good people. Right. And then, you know, when he comes back and the, like the next few minutes, I'm thinking, okay, first off, their house is like the darkest house I've ever seen. Yeah, there's like no light. There's no love in the house. There's absolutely none. It's dark and, as day. It probably smells moldy. And I'm thinking, the walls look like they're painted a dark color. All the weird, weird stuff they're watching on TV. I'm like, I've never seen cartoons or shows like that that have that much violence in the way it's portrayed. I mean, you know, we grew up watching The Roadrunner. And Wiley Coyote and Anvil's Falling <laughs> from the Sky. But it was a totally different kind of violence. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no wonder you're having nightmares and your kid's not sleeping to begin with. <laughs> like, you know what? <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? And I, I, I wonder if you've blocked this from your memory too. Katie and I went to see Saw 3 in the theater for Halloween. <laughs> and you know, you're talking about the violence that's on the TV and stuff with this kid that's watching. There was a woman that brought what looks like a two-year-old into the theater because she was not going to miss that movie. <laughs> and we were yeah, all think, like, what the fuck? I'm pretty sure I watched the kid most of the time and not the movie. Because um, I really don't remember a lot of the movie. So it was either I was staring into my popcorn because I was terrified I was watching this kid to see if I needed to watch my back. 
Um, yeah, so, um, I mean, you know, to, to each their own, but I guess you start them out young and you tell them, look, it's fake. Don't be hitting mommy with sledgehammer in the middle of the night, okay? <laughs> <laughs> there is no coming back from that. When, like, I was watching those things. My least favorite part of your favorite movie, where the heads are being juggled mm-hmm. in the labyrinth, even that wasn't as creepy as the stuff they were watching. <laughs> like I now feel like I can sit and watch that part of the of the labyrinth and not be creeped out because of this movie. You should be able to watch a lot more. I, I want to say intense, but it, they're not really intense movies. But you should be able to handle a lot more since you made it through this one. <laughs> yes, yes. Part of it, I'm like I remember like watching and screaming at the TV. Okay, with all the stuff that was going on, like where she's being attacked. Right before she loses it. Right. Why are we crawling on the floor? I mean, are we that terrified that we cannot get up on our own two damn feet and run? Probably. Or are we physically being held to the floor? Could have been either. Or it could have been both, too. She could have felt like she couldn't stand up. And at the same time, damn it, if I just had legs and they worked, we would be gone. Right. You I mean, scream you know, bold right the fuck out of there. At at that point, I probably would not have been able to find my own two feet either. But if like if my nieces or my nephew were in the room, I'm going to get out and get them. Yeah. I'm just not going to crawl to do it because I feel like that makes me a bigger target. Or easier target. An easier target. Me and my 40-year-old knees ain't crawling around for shit. Exactly. My, my knees is, actually kind of act like they 80 and ready for replacement. So no. Chris right. will just be like, you can kill me. <laughs> yes. Yes. But you do know the part of this movie that I had to stop it because I was going to start crying. <laughs> the dog. Poor Bugsy. Yeah, I have I have a little comment here that says the dog death. Dot dot dot. We could have done without it. I mean, for real. Yeah, I'm one of those. Anytime you see an animal, especially in a horror movie, they focus on the animal for a little bit. You're like, yeah, yeah. that animal's dying. But uh, you you normally either a don't see it or b it happens heroically. You know, yeah. something other. And then he did not this poor dog. No, he did at first seem like he was trying to protect Sam. Mm -hmm. As soon as she let the Babadook in, well, did she let him in or did he force his way in? Uh, Well, in the book, it, you know, has that line that says, if you let me in, I'll never go away and you'll wish you were dead. Yeah. And so... Sam wakes up in the really, middle of the night screaming, don't let him in, don't let him in, don't let him in. So yeah. I think there's like a knock or something at the door where, because the book talks about the rumble, 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 and like three knocks uh-huh. or something like that. And she does wind up, because at first she ignores it, then it happens again, then it happens again, and she's like, fuck this. And so she opens the door and there's a big whoosh of wind that mm-hmm. passes by her. So she lets the Babadook in. Sometimes you, sh- you just should listen to the kids. You should. Now, as this movie continues to go, they continue to get t- 
terrorized by the Babadook, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I think I, I think if Samuel wouldn't have been scared of it, he could have terrorized the Babadook right back. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he at one point he was like, all right, this is enough, damn it. I am fighting for my own house. Right. In the basement. That, right. And <laughs> so <laughs> what would have happened if they wouldn't have had a basement? Would Babadook been in the guest bathroom? <laughs> where um, are you? Where are you trapping the Babadook with no basement? Babadook's gonna be in a cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> but what if you don't have stairs? What if you're mm. a single level, no basement, and God forbid you're a one bedroom, one bathroom? Because Babadook apparently is gonna be somewhere with you all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Babadook's going in the closet. <laughs> And then when people come over, do you be like, oh, that's the, that's the Babadook closet. And they're like, the Babadook? Yeah, don't open that one. Just throw your coat over the chair. <laughs> right. We don't, we don't go in there. You know, in the middle of all of this, when he's trying to call for help and she has lost it and cuts the phone lines and the poor kid is scared to death, then the little old lady shows up. And I cannot remember her name. But I'm like, woman... You're about to die. I understand your concern, but why would you not call the police? <laughs> if he's right. calling you in the middle of the night and asking for help, why would you go over there and not call the police first? <laughs> so the neighbor is Mrs. Roach. Oh, that's, I remember the name now. Yeah, which is funny to me because the Babado kind of acts like a roach. Just turn the light on. Turn the light on and he's gone. Uh -huh. The party happens at night. I felt like I was sitting there. Run, Sammy, run. Mommy's lost her fucking mind. Her marbles are gone. You know, maybe it's a good thing he's been making all these weapons all along. While the Babadook is still in the mom. Right. I was like, well, okay. Maybe, you know, the whole time we thought he was a little weird, but... What if he just had a feeling he needed those weapons for protection? And he's been the one that all along has been preparing for this. And right. everybody else thought he was a weird kid. Yeah. Sociopath. You know, and then you get to the very end when she's, when she throws up, it looks like black ink, which makes sense because, you know, the book is printed in nothing but black ink. At that point, I'm like, okay, she threw up the Babadook. That's kind of gross. But I really expected, as soon as she threw up, I expected the liquid on the floor to take shape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that probably would have been good. But since this wasn't like an indie film, that's probably all the budget they had. Here, put, yeah. put the squid ink in your mouth and just bleh, bleh, bleh. Right. Gosh. Right. Oh, God. This makes me wretch. Um, um, yeah, there's a lot of movies that use, like, you know, the vomiting for getting out like uh you're possessed or whatever mm -hmm. um or there's there's a john carpenter film where they wind up kind of puking into each other's mouth this entity it's really gross oh, oh, <laughs> that was my oh. that was my whole whole problem about prince of darkness it's just gross oh um, i don't get why we have to be focused on vomit as a way to like purge out you know, whatever's possessed us or, right. I mean, right. couldn't we just blow our nose? 
or right. burp or burp or something. Right. I don't know. You know, but then it's like the Babadook's okay with the basement as soon as she vomits him. Well, like, well, yeah, the, the Babadook retreats to the basement, but once she tears that book up and it comes back to her piece together, there's new pages because then it shows him, um, the Babadook, you know, possessing her. And then it shows a little thing of her snapping the dog's neck. And mm -hmm. then it shows like her killing uh, Samuel yeah. Yeah, by, by snapping his neck as well. And so was it slitting her own throat? Something like that. Yeah. But the words, there's new pages. The words have changed in there. And it says like the longer that you, you know, deny the stronger I get. So as we get to the climax and towards the end of the movie, we learn, you know, that she has fully accepted that the baby looks there. Right. And she's not going to give it, another ounce of her energy um, because it shows them ready for Samuel's birthday party and they're digging up worms. Yeah. So like one of my, one of my statements is worms is what's for dinner. <laughs> yes. And it really surprises me that something that is as for lack of a better word, powerful as the Babadook is pacified by worms. Yeah, I was wondering that too. Like, why not give the man like something, you know, hamburger or you know, steak. fish or steak or well, yeah. I mean, steak gets expensive. Babadook will just have to have to do uh, <laughs> whatever I gave him. But worms, I, 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 I don't know how they came to that conclusion mm -hmm. of um, worms. Or, you know, like, what? There's nothing in the book either. No. Any version of the book that says oh i eat worms by the way right and, and maybe that's just sam's intuition for this is what the babadook wants for his afternoon snack yeah um no it's it's just weird like why yeah. why would you know why is and he then, happy with worms um and then my thing is she's like don't open the door no matter what happens kind of thing and I'm like, is she going to offer herself to the Babad? Like, what's going on? And then no, she just comes out and they go on about their business. Like, it's normal to have a psychotic monster living in your basement eating worms. Come on, let's go have a party. Well, maybe she didn't want it to get out because she didn't want it to spread to anybody else. Because if she can keep it contained and controlled and here's your worms, then... And then you have the aspect that he can morph to look like her dead husband that she has not completely gotten over. Right. Although you, get I do a, have, oh. you, you get a sense towards the end of the movie, like when she's down there with the worms or whatever, mm -hmm. that she's kind of gone through all phases of her grief process. She finally made it through. Yeah. She seemed, cause she seems like a weight's been lifted off of her. Samuel's acting a whole hell of a lot better. Yeah. And, um, well, you know, they're probably both getting sleep at night. Um, I, I guarantee she's probably still giving him the damn tranquilizers. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, my other thought was, is she, it's almost like, have we become addicted to having something going on in our life 
Right. Or mm-hmm. are we are we addicted to constantly, you know, it's probably a, adrenaline. Are you now an adrenaline junkie or your cortisol levels are so high all the time when they finally level out? You know, right. you don't you don't feel like you. It it's perfectly normal to have a monster in your basement. <laughs> that that's that's just bad, but he don't pay rent for nothing. <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, I do have to mention that at uh, about, what, 20 minutes or so into the movie when she's trying to relax and yes. she goes to her room, I have never, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm experienced at looking at all this stuff, <laughs> but I have never in my life seen a contraption of that particular shape or size. <laughs> Those are old school massagers, and that's what the box says on the massagers. And it looks like a giant freaking microphone. You got to have like 15 uh, size D batteries for them. Right. And I'm like, okay, she's so close to being perfectly relaxed with the assistance of her <clears throat> massager. And here he comes. Yeah. But you knew, you knew something like, was going to happen the way they were building up. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's got to be the story of every parent, though. Every parent, every single parent, like trying to have their me time. And here come the kids. Right. Yeah, David and I were talking about this movie. And and he was saying, you know, for every parent, you feel like this at some point because kids are total terrors, you know, around around the age of two. You you definitely have your terrible Mm -hmm. twos. And threes, they kind of turn into a three nature. But he said mm-hmm. it's like your kids holding you hostage. Yeah, at that at a certain point, like you don't want to go out, you don't want to be around anybody um, because your kids just draining everything from you. I can definitely see, you see that in her. And then you have the the male nurse at work who's way too eager to be way too friendly. Right. He's like, Oh, you're widowed. Hello. <laughs> right. And he he reminds me of like a character that you would find on like a episode of SVU that has kind of like wormed his way in, but it has nothing to do with the kid. It's oh, you're single. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think they're probably in a <laughs> I think they're probably in a former life that male nurse was a firefighter. yeah he does look like he's trying to come to the rescue (laughs) and you know volunteering to take her shifts or all of the extra stuff that he offers i'm like hmm yeah you're almost as creepy as the babadook good i can't handle him (laughs) right you have any before I get into budget stuff, anything before your final thoughts? I will never, ever, ever be the same. <laughs> no, no, you won't. Um, this movie had a budget of $2 million. And at the box office, it made $10.5 million. This is considered a cult classic. Like, it, it, it was a really big hit. In Australia and then spread out everywhere else. It was released in Sundance. I think it won a few awards at Sundance. The director, Jennifer Kent, has won several awards for this movie. This movie has a 
98% Rotten Tomato score, which that that's probably the highest one we've we've rated, uh, we've watched so far. This has an 8.6 Metacritic score. So the critics were like, yeah, yeah it's pretty good, but not the best. <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, critics. I like this movie. The first time I saw this movie, I think I had nightmares for almost a week about the Babadook. So this one definitely, I can say, stays with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I. Um, every time I turn my lamp on at night, and I, that's the only source of light in my room, if I see something dark on top, on the wall or on the ceiling, I very quickly look around at, like, oh, okay, it was just the rod from the blinds. Or, <laughs> okay. It was just somebody moving in the hall, you know, like it has traumatized me. That's funny. And I, and I will never paint any room in any house I ever own navy blue. Oh, come on. Gotta <laughs> live a little. And if I do, you can bet your bottom dollar is going to have about six or seven wall sconces and a chandelier in it to make sure it's very well lit. <laughs> and there will not be a, a TV playing those weird ass shows. Everybody needs a navy blue room in their uh, Mojo Dojo Casa house. Any final thoughts? You know, I really feel like overall, this whole movie is nothing but the grief process mm-hmm. being portrayed. Yeah. Because once you let that grief in, it will always have a stranglehold on you until you learn to process it. And I feel like this whole movie just personifies that in a very traumatizing way. Would you ever watch this again? No. (laughs) (laughs) One was, once was enough. And, and I reiterate poor Bugsy. Yes. Poor Bugsy. And, Bugsy is the reason I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> not not everything else. Just just the no. Dog. Yeah, poor Bugsy. Would you recommend this to anybody? Only if they were really into horror movies. Well, you know, I I don't know. I think if they just like suspense or like horror movies, they would like this. Yeah, but I will definitely tell them it is not my favorite. <laughs> and that's fine. That's I mean, fine. I'd rather watch Wrong Turn again than this. <laughs> the new one? No, no, no. The first one. I, I never made it past the second Wrong Turn. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right. From us here at Scare My Best Friend to Death, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us at scaremybff.com. We also have uh, Buy Me a Coffee with different membership tiers where you get access to the episodes early. And there are different rewards for the different tiers. Now, one of the tiers, you get to pick three episodes a year for us to do uh, to challenge Katie to see if she survives. And I get scared of that because then that's also challenging me. <laughs> so... Um, from us here at Scare My Best Friend to Death. Good night. Bye, y'all.